Chapter Two of The Surgeon's Daughter by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Chapter the Second the last cloud of dust which the wheels of the carriage had raised was dissipated when dinner which claims a share of human thoughts even in the midst of the most marvellous and affecting incidents recurred to those of mrs gray indeed doctor you will stand glowering out of the window till some other patient calls for you and then have to set off without your dinner and i hope mr lawford will take pot-luck with us for it is just his own hour and indeed we had something rather better than ordinary for this poor lady lamb and spinach and a veal florentine the surgeon started as from a dream and joined in his wife's hospitable request to which lawford willingly assented we will suppose the meal finished a bottle of old and generous antigua upon the table and a modest little punch-bowl judiciously replenished for the accommodation of the doctor and his guest their conversation naturally turned on the strange scene which they had witnessed and the town clerk took considerable merit for his presence of mind i am thinking doctor said he you must have brewed a bitter browst to yourself if i had not come in as i did troth and it might very well so be answered gray for to tell you the truth when i saw yonder fellow vaporing with his pistols among the womenfolk in my own house the old cameronian spirit began to rise in me and little thing would have made me cleek to the poker hoot hoot that would never have done na na said the man of law this was a case where a little prudence was worth all the pistols and pokers in the world and that was just what i thought when i sent to you clerk lawford said the doctor a wiser man he could not have called on to a difficult case added mrs gray as she sat with her work at a little distance from the table thanks to ye and here's to ye my good neighbour answered the scribe will ye not let me help you to another glass of punch mrs gray this being declined he proceeded i am jealousing that the messenger and his warrant were just brought in to prevent any opposition ye saw how quietly he behaved after i had laid down the law i'll never believe the lady is in any risk from him but the father is a dour shield depend upon it he has bred up the young filly on the curb rein and that has made the poor thing start off the course i should not be surprised that he took her abroad and shut her up in a convent hardly replied dr gray if it be true as i suspect that both the father and daughter are of the jewish persuasion a jew said mrs gray and have i been taken all this fike about a jew 
i thought she seemed to give a scunner at the eggs and bacon that nurse simpson spoke about to her but i thought jews had i had long beards and yon man's face is just like one of our own folks i have seen the doctor with a longer beard himself when he has not had leisure to shave that might have been mr moncada's case said lawford for he seemed to have had a hard journey but the jews are often very respectable people mrs gray they have no territorial property because the law is against them there but they have a good hank in the money market plenty of stock in the funds mrs gray and indeed i think this poor young woman is better with her own father though he be a jew and a dowered shield into the bargain than she would have been with the loon that ranged her who is by your account dr gray both a papist and a rebel the jews are well attached to government they hate the pope the devil and the pretender as much as any honest man among ourselves i cannot admire either of the gentlemen said gideon but it is but fair to say that i saw mr moncada when he was highly incensed and to all appearance not without reason now this other man tresham if that be his name was haughty to me and i think something careless of the poor young woman just at the time when he owed her most kindness and me some thankfulness i am therefore of your opinion clerk lawford that the christian is the worse bargain of the two and you think of taking care of this wean yourself doctor that is what i call the good samaritan at cheap cost clerk the child if it lives has enough to bring it up decently and set it out in life and i can teach it an honourable and useful profession it will be rather an amusement than a trouble to me and i want to make some remarks on the childish diseases which with god's blessing the child must come through under my charge and since heaven has sent us no children hoot hoot said the town clerk you are in over great hurry now you have na been so long married yet mrs gray dinna let my daffing chase you away we will be for a dish of tea believe for the doctor and i are no glass-breakers four years after this conversation took place the event happened at the possibility of which the town clerk had hinted and mrs gray presented her husband with an infant daughter but good and evil are strangely mingled in this sublunary world the fulfilment of his anxious longing for posterity was attended with the loss of his simple and kind-hearted wife one of the most heavy blows which fate could inflict on poor gideon and his house was made desolate even by the event which had promised for months before to add new comforts to its humble roof gray felt the shock as men of sense and firmness feel a decided blow from the effects of which they never hope again fully to raise themselves he discharged the duties of his profession with the same punctuality as ever was easy 
and even to appearance cheerful in his intercourse with society but the sunshine of existence was gone every morning he missed the affectionate charges which recommended to him to pay attention to his own health while he was labouring to restore that blessing to his patients every evening as he returned from his weary round it was without the consciousness of a kind and affectionate reception from one eager to tell and interested to hear all the little events of the day his whistle which used to arise clear and strong so soon as middlemass steeple was in view was now for ever silenced and the rider's head drooped while the tired horse lacking the stimulus of his master's hand and voice seemed to shuffle along as if it experienced a share of his despondency there were times when he was so much dejected as to be unable to endure even the presence of his little many in whose infant countenance he could trace the lineaments of the mother of whose loss she had been the innocent and unconscious cause had it not been for this poor child he would think but instantly aware that the sentiment was sinful he would snatch the infant to his breast and load it with caresses then hastily desire it to be removed from the parlour the mohammedans have a fanciful idea that the true believer in his passage to paradise is under the necessity of passing barefooted over a bridge composed of red-hot iron but on this occasion all the pieces of paper which the moslem has preserved during his life lest some holy thing being written upon them might be profaned arrange themselves between his feet and the burning metal and so save him from injury in the same manner the effects of kind and benevolent actions are sometimes found even in this world to assuage the pangs of subsequent afflictions thus the greatest consolation which poor gideon could find after his heavy deprivation was in the frolic fondness of richard middlemass the child who was in so singular a manner thrown upon his charge even at this early age he was eminently handsome when silent or out of humour his dark eyes and striking countenance presented some recollections of the stern character imprinted on the features of his supposed father but when he was gay and happy which was much more frequently the case these clouds were exchanged for the most frolicsome mirthful expression that ever dwelt on the laughing and thoughtless aspect of a child he seemed to have attacked beyond his years in discovering and conforming to the peculiarities of human character his nurse one prime object of richard's observance was nurse jameson or as she was more commonly called for brevity and par excellence nurse this was the person who had brought him up from infancy she had lost her own child and soon after her husband and thus being a lone woman had 
as used to be common in scotland remained a member of dr gray's family after the death of his wife she gradually obtained the principal superintendence of the whole household and being an honest and capable manager was a person of very great importance in the family she was bold in her temper violent in her feelings and as often happens with those in her condition was as much attached to richard middlemass whom she had once nursed at her bosom as if he had been her own son this affection the child repaid by all the tender attentions of which his age was capable little dick was also distinguished by the fondest and kindest attachment to his guardian and benefactor dr gray he was officious in the right time and place quiet as a lamb when his patron seemed inclined to study or to muse active and assiduous to assist or divert him whenever it seemed to be wished and in choosing his opportunities he seemed to display an address far beyond his childish years as time passed on this pleasing character seemed to be still more refined in everything like exercise or amusement he was the pride and the leader of the boys of the place over the most of whom his strength and activity gave him a decided superiority at school his abilities were less distinguished yet he was a favorite with the master a sensible and useful teacher richard is not swift he used to say to his patron dr gray but then he is sure and it is impossible not to be pleased with a child who is so very desirous to give satisfaction young middlemass's grateful affection to his patron seemed to increase with the expanding of his faculties and found a natural and pleasing mode of displaying itself in his attentions to little many gray her slightest hint was richard's law and it was in vain that he was summoned forth by a hundred shrill voices to take the lead in high spy or at football if it was little many's pleasure that he should remain within and build card-houses for her amusement at other times he would take the charge of the little damsel entirely under his own care and be seen wandering with her on the borough common collecting wild-flowers or knitting caps made of bulrushes many was attached to dick middlemas in proportion to his affectionate assiduities and the father saw with pleasure every new mark of attention to his child on the part of his protege during the time that richard was silently advancing from a beautiful child into a fine boy and approaching from a fine boy to the time when he must be termed a handsome youth mr gray wrote twice a year with much regularity to mr moncada through the channel that gentleman had pointed out the benevolent man thought that if the wealthy grandfather could only see his relative of whom any family might be proud he would be unable to persevere in his resolution of treating as an outcast one so nearly connected with him in blood and so interesting in person and disposition he thought it his duty therefore 
to keep open the slender and oblique communication with the boy's maternal grandfather as that which might at some future period lead to a closer connection yet the correspondence could not in other respects be agreeable to a man of spirit like mr gray his own letters were as short as possible merely rendering an account of his ward's expenses including a moderate board to himself attested by mr lawford his co-trustee and intimating richard's state of health and his progress in education with a few words of brief but warm eulogy upon his goodness of head and heart but the answers he received were still shorter mr moncada such was their usual tenor acknowledges mr gray's letter of such a date notices the contents and requests mr gray to persist in the plan which he has hitherto prosecuted on the subject of their correspondence on occasions where extraordinary expenses seemed likely to be incurred the remittances were made with readiness that day fortnight after mrs gray's death fifty pounds were received with a note intimating that it was designed to put the child r m into proper mourning the writer had added two or three words desiring that the surplus should be at mr gray's disposal to meet the additional expenses of this period of calamity but mr moncada had left the phrase unfinished apparently in despair of turning it suitably into english gideon without farther investigation quietly added the sum to the account of his ward's little fortune contrary to the opinion of mr lawford who aware that he was rather a loser than a gainer by the boy's residence in his house was desirous that his friend should not omit an opportunity of recovering part of his expenses on that score but gray was proof against all remonstrances as the boy advanced towards his fourteenth year dr gray wrote a more elaborate account of his ward's character acquirements and capacity he added that he did this for the purpose of enabling mr moncada to judge how the young man's future education should be directed richard he observed was arrived at the point where education losing its original and general character branches off into different paths of knowledge suitable to particular professions and when it was therefore become necessary to determine which of them it was his pleasure that young richard should be trained for and he would on his part do all he could to carry mr moncada's wishes into execution since the amiable qualities of the boy made him as dear to him though but a guardian as he could have been to his own father the answer which arrived in the course of a week or ten days was fuller than usual and written in the first person mr gray such was the tenor our meeting has been under such circumstances as could not make us favourably known to each other at the time but i have the advantage of you since knowing your motives for entertaining an indifferent opinion of me i could respect them and you at the same time whereas you unable to comprehend the motives 
i say you being unacquainted with the infamous treatment i had received could not understand the reasons that i have for acting as i have done deprived sir by the act of a villain of my child and she despoiled of honour i cannot bring myself to think of beholding the creature however innocent whose look must always remind me of hatred and of shame keep the poor child by you educate him to your own profession but take heed that he looks no higher than to fill such a situation in life as you yourself worthily occupy or some other line of like importance for the condition of a farmer a country lawyer a medical practitioner or some such retired course of life the means of outfit and education shall be amply supplied but i must warn him and you that any attempt to intrude himself on me further than i may especially permit will be attended with the total forfeiture of my favour and protection so having made known my mind to you i expect you will act accordingly the receipt of this letter determined gideon to have some explanation with the boy himself in order to learn if he had any choice among the professions thus opened to him convinced at the same time from his docility of temper that he would refer the selection to his dr gray's better judgment he had previously however the unpleasing task of acquainting richard middlemas with the mysterious circumstances attending his birth of which he presumed him to be entirely ignorant simply because he himself had never communicated them but had let the boy consider himself as the orphan child of a distant relation but though the doctor himself was silent he might have remembered that nurse jameson had the handsome enjoyment of her tongue and was disposed to use it liberally from a very early period nurse jameson amongst the variety of legendary lore which she instilled into her foster son had not forgotten what she called the awful season of his coming into the world the personable appearance of his father a grand gentleman who looked as if the whole world lay at his feet the beauty of his mother and the terrible blackness of the mask which she wore her eyne that glanced like diamonds and the diamonds she wore on her fingers that could be compared to nothing but her own eyne the fairness of her skin and the colour of her silk rokeley with much proper stuff to the same purpose then she expatiated on the arrival of his grandfather and the awful man armed with pistol dirk and claymore the last weapons existed only in nurse's imagination the very ogre of a fairy-tale then all the circumstances of the carrying off his mother while bank-notes were flying about the house like screeds of brown paper and gold guineas were as plenty as chucky stones all this partly to please and interest the boy partly to indulge her own talent for amplification nurse told with so many additional circumstances and gratuitous commentaries that the real transaction 
mysterious and odd as it certainly was sunk into tameness before the nurse's addition like humble prose contrasted with the boldest nights of poetry to hear all this did richard seriously incline and still more was he interested with the idea of his valiant father coming for him unexpectedly at the head of a gallant regiment with music playing and colours flying and carrying his son away on the most beautiful pony eyes ever beheld or his mother bright as the day might suddenly appear in her coach and six to reclaim her beloved child or his repentant grandfather with his pockets stuffed out with bank-notes would come to atone for his past cruelty by heaping his neglected grandchild with unexpected wealth sure was nurse jameson that it wanted but a blink of her bairn's bonny eye to turn their hearts as scripture saith and as strange things had been as they should come all together to the town at the same time and make such a day as had never been seen in middlemass and then her bairn would never be called by that lowland name of middlemass any more which sounded as if it had been gathered out of the town gutter but would be called galatian or sir william wallace or robin hood or after some other of the great princes named in story-books nurse jameson's history of the past and prospects of the future were too flattering not to excite the most ambitious visions in the mind of a boy who naturally felt a strong desire of rising in the world and was conscious of possessing the powers necessary to his advancement the incidents of his birth resembled those he found commemorated in the tales which he read or listened to and there seemed no reason why his own adventures should not have a termination corresponding to those of such veracious histories in a word while good dr gray imagined that his pupil was dwelling in utter ignorance of his origin richard was meditating upon nothing else than the time and means by which he anticipated his being extricated from the obscurity of his present condition and enabled to assume the rank to which in his own opinion he was entitled by birth so stood the feelings of the young man when one day after dinner the doctor snuffing the candle and taking from his pouch the great leathern pocket-book in which he deposited particular papers with a small supply of the most necessary and active medicines he took from it mr moncada's letter and requested richard middlemass's serious attention while he told him some circumstances concerning himself which it greatly imported him to know richard's dark eyes flashed fire the blood flushed his broad and well-formed forehead the hour of explanation was at length come he listened to the narrative of gideon gray which the reader may believe being altogether divested of the gilding which nurse jameson's imagination 
had bestowed upon it and reduced to what mercantile man termed the needful exhibited little more than the tale of a child of shame deserted by its father and mother and brought up on the reluctant charity of a more distant relation who regarded him as the living though unconscious evidence of the disgrace of his family and would more willingly have paid for the expenses of his funeral than that of the food which was grudgingly provided for him temple and tower a hundred flattering edifices of richard's childish imagination went to the ground at once and the pain which attended their demolition was rendered the more acute by a sense of shame that he should have nursed such reveries he remained while gideon continued his explanation in a dejected posture his eyes fixed on the ground and the veins of his forehead swollen with contending passions and now my dear richard said the good surgeon you must think what you can do for yourself since your grandfather leaves you the choice of three honourable professions by any of which well and wisely prosecuted you may become independent if not wealthy and respectable if not great you will naturally desire a little time for consideration not a minute said the boy raising his head and looking boldly at his guardian i am a free-born englishman and will return to england if i think fit a free-born fool you are said gray you were born as i think and no one can know better than i do in the blue room of stephen law's land in the town-head of middlemass if you call that being a free-born englishman but tom hillary this was an apprentice of clerk lawford who had of late been a great friend and adviser of young middlemass tom hillary says that i am a free-born englishman notwithstanding in right of my parents pooh child what do we know of your parents but what has your being an englishman to do with the present question oh doctor answered the boy bitterly you know we from the south side of tweed cannot scramble so hard as you do the scots are too moral and too prudent and too robust for a poor pudding-eater to live amongst them whether as a parson or as a lawyer or as a doctor with your pardon sir upon my life dick said gray this tom hillary will turn your brain what is the meaning of all this trash tom hillary says that the parson lives by the sins of the people the lawyer by their distresses and the doctor by their diseases always asking your pardon sir tom hillary replied the doctor should be drummed out of the borough a whippersnapper of an attorney's apprentice run away from newcastle if i hear him talking so i'll teach him to speak with more reverence of the learned professions let me hear no more of tom hillary whom you have seen far too much of lately think a little like a lad of sense and tell me what answer i am to give to mr moncada tell him said the boy 
the tone of affected sarcasm laid aside and that of injured pride substituted in its room tell him that my soul revolts at the obscure lot he recommends to me i am determined to enter my father's profession the army unless my grandfather chooses to receive me into his house and place me in his own line of business yes and make you his partner i suppose and acknowledge you for his heir said dr gray a thing extremely likely to happen no doubt considering the way in which he has brought you up all along and the terms in which he now writes concerning you then sir there is one thing which i can demand of you replied the boy there is a large sum of money in your hands belonging to me and since it is consigned to you for my use i demand you should make the necessary advances to procure a commission in the army account to me for the balance and so with thanks for past favors i will give you no trouble in future young man said the doctor gravely i am very sorry to see that your usual prudence and good humor are not proof against the disappointment of some idle expectations which you had not the slightest reason to entertain it is very true that there is a sum which in spite of various expenses may still approach to a thousand pounds or better which remains in my hands for your behoof but i am bound to dispose of it according to the will of the donor and at any rate you are not entitled to call for it until you come to years of discretion a period from which you are six years distant according to law and which in one sense you will never reach at all unless you alter your present unreasonable crotchets but come dick this is the first time i have seen you in so absurd a humour and you may have many things i own in your situation to apologize for impatience even greater than you have displayed but you should not turn your resentment on me that am no way in fault you should remember that i was your earliest and only friend and took charge of you when every other person forsook you i do not thank you for it said richard giving way to a burst of uncontrolled passion you might have done better for me had you pleased and in what manner you ungrateful boy said gray whose composure was a little ruffled you might have flung me under the wheels of their carriages as they drove off and have let them trample on the body of their child as they have done on his feelings so saying he rushed out of the room and shut the door behind him with great violence leaving his guardian astonished at his sudden and violent change of temper and manner what the deuce can have possessed him ah well high-spirited and disappointed in some follies which that tom hillary has put into his head but his is a case for anodynes and shall be treated accordingly while the doctor formed this good-natured resolution young middlemas rushed to nurse jameson's apartment where poor many 
to whom his presence always gave holiday feelings hastened to exhibit for his admiration a new doll of which she had made the acquisition no one generally was more interested in many's amusements than richard but at present richard like his celebrated namesake was not in the vein he threw off the little damsel so carelessly almost so rudely that the doll flew out of many's hand fell on the hearthstone and broke its waxen face the rudeness drew from nurse jameson a rebuke even although the culprit was her darling howd away richard that wasna like yourself to guide miss many that gate hold your tongue miss many and i'll soon mend the baby's face but if many cried she did not cry for the doll and while the tears flowed silently down her cheeks she sat looking at dick middlemas with a childish face of fear sorrow and wonder nurse jameson was soon diverted from her attention to many gray's distresses especially as she did not weep aloud and her attention became fixed on the altered countenance red eyes and swollen features of her darling foster-child she instantly commenced an investigation into the cause of his distress after the usual inquisitorial manner of matrons of her class what is the matter with my bairn and what has been vexing my bairn with similar questions at last extorted this reply i am not your bairn i am no one's bairn no one's son i am an outcast from my family and belong to no one dr gray has told me so himself and did he cast up to my bairn that he was a bastard troth he was no blade my sturdy your father was a better man than ever stood on the doctor's shanks a handsome grand gentleman with an eye like a glad's and a step like a highland piper nurse jameson had got on a favourite topic and would have expatiated long enough for she was a professed admirer of masculine beauty but there was something which displeased the boy in her last simile so he cut the conversation short by asking whether she knew exactly how much money his grandfather had left with dr gray for his maintenance she could not say didn't ken an awful sum it was to pass out of one man's hand she was sure it wasn't a less than one hundred pounds and it might well be twa in short she knew nothing about the matter but she was sure dr gray would count to him to the last farthing for everybody kenned that he was a just man where siller was concerned however if her bairn wanted to ken more about it to be sure the town clerk could tell him all about it richard middlemas arose and left the apartment without saying more he went immediately to visit the old town clerk to whom he had made himself acceptable as indeed he had done to most of the dignitaries about the burgh he introduced the conversation by the proposal which had been made to him for choosing a profession and after speaking of the mysterious circumstances of his birth and the doubtful prospects which lay before him 
he easily led the town clerk into conversation as to the amount of the funds and heard the exact state of the money in his guardian's hands which corresponded with the information he had already received he next sounded the worthy scribe on the possibility of his going into the army but received a second confirmation of the intelligence mr gray had given him being informed that no part of the money could be placed at his disposal till he was of age and then not without the especial consent of both his guardians and particularly that of his master he therefore took leave of the town clerk who much approving the cautious manner in which he spoke and his prudent selection of an adviser at this important crisis of his life intimated to him that should he choose the law he would himself receive him into his office upon a very moderate apprentice fee and would part with tom hillary to make room for him as the lad was rather pragmatical and plagued him with speaking about his english practice which they had nothing to do with on this side of the border the lord be thanked middlemass thanked him for his kindness and promised to consider his kind offer in case he should determine upon following the profession of the law from tom hillary's master richard went to tom hillary himself who chanced then to be in the office he was a lad about twenty as smart as small but distinguished for the accuracy with which he dressed his hair and the splendour of a laced hat and embroidered waistcoat with which he graced the church of middlemass on sundays tom hillary had been bred an attorney's clerk in newcastle upon tyne but for some reason or other had found it more convenient of late years to reside in scotland and was recommended to the town clerk of middlemass by the accuracy and beauty with which he transcribed the records of the burgh it is not improbable that the reports concerning the singular circumstances of richard middlemass's birth and the knowledge that he was actually possessed of a considerable sum of money induced hilary though so much his senior to admit the lad to his company and enrich his youthful mind with some branches of information which in that retired corner his pupil might otherwise have been some time in attaining amongst these were certain games at cards and dice in which the pupil paid as was reasonable the price of initiation by his losses to his instructor after a long walk with this youngster whose advice like the unwise son of the wisest of men he probably valued more than that of his more aged counsellors richard middlemas returned to his lodgings in stephen law's land and went to bed sad and supperless the next morning richard arose with the sun and his night's rest appeared to have had its frequent effect in cooling the passions and correcting the understanding little many was the first person to whom he made the amend honourable and a much smaller propitiation than the new doll with which he presented her would have been accepted as an atonement 
for a much greater offence many was one of those pure spirits to whom a state of unkindness if the estranged person has been a friend is a state of pain and the slightest advance of her friend and protector was sufficient to regain all her childish confidence and affection the father did not prove more inexorable than many had done mr gray indeed thought he had a good reason to look cold upon richard at their next meeting being not a little hurt at the ungrateful treatment which he had received on the preceding evening but middlemass disarmed him at once by frankly pleading that he had suffered his mind to be carried away by the supposed rank and importance of his parents into an idle conviction that he was one day to share them the letter of his grandfather which condemned him to banishment and obscurity for life was he acknowledged a very severe blow and it was with deep sorrow that he reflected that the irritation of his disappointment had led him to express himself in a manner far short of the respect and reverence of one who owed mr gray the duty and affection of a son and ought to refer to his decision every action of his life gideon propitiated by an admission so candid and made with so much humility readily dismissed his resentment and kindly inquired of richard whether he had bestowed any reflection upon the choice of profession which had been subjected to him offering at the same time to allow him all reasonable time to make up his mind on this subject richard middlemass answered with the same promptitude and candour he had he said in order to forming his opinion more safely consulted with his friend the town clerk the doctor nodded approbation mr lawford had indeed been most friendly and had even offered to take him into his own office but if his father and benefactor would permit him to study under his instructions the noble art in which he himself enjoyed such a deserved reputation the mere hope that he might by and by be of some use to mr gray in his business would greatly overbalance every other consideration such a course of education and such a use of professional knowledge when he had acquired it would be a greater spur to his industry than the prospect even of becoming town clerk of middlemass in his proper person as the young man expressed it to be his firm and unalterable choice to study medicine under his guardian and to remain a member of his family dr gray informed mr moncada of the lad's determination who to testify his approbation remitted to the doctor the sum of one hundred pounds as apprentice fee a sum nearly three times as much as gray's modesty had hinted at as necessary shortly after when dr gray and the town clerk met at the small club of the burg their joint theme was the sense and steadiness of richard middlemass indeed said the town clerk 
he is such a friendly and disinterested boy that i could not get him to accept a place in my office for fear he should be thought to be pushing himself forward at the expense of tam hillary and indeed clerk said gray i have sometimes been afraid that he kept too much company with that tam hillary of yours but twenty tam hillarys could not corrupt dick middlemass End of chapter the second